We're doing a series on the Ten Commandments, and we talked about the first four of the commandments as worship, approaching God, and we are to do it God only, focusing on God. We are to do it spirit to spirit, our spirit talk to Him. We're to do it reverently, and we're to do it regularly. To keep our appointment with God. And then we talked last week about honor your father and your mother as we went from the worship of God in the first four. And number five, last week, honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. Now we come to number six. And, and before I get into this, I want to first say, uh, these are not the ten suggestions. That's not what they are. They're not suggestions. These are the ten commandments. The purpose of it is for us to get to the bottom of it. We go past the uh, Old Testament concepts of do everything all the little rules and regulations get to the meat of what it's all about. And the meat of what it's all about is you focus your life first on God, then you focus on your family. And that's an important thing, your family. And then he goes on to a new thing. And it's not suggestions. What we have to do as Christians is get our lives in order. You've got to get your life all in order and get it straightened around so you've got the right priorities, doing things in the right way. And that's really our responsibility to do that. So these aren't ten suggestions. These are ten commandments, things that we need to think about. We come to the sixth one now. We're in chapter 20 of Exodus, which is a list of the commandments. And in verse 13 is our one for today. Thou shalt not kill. Shalt not kill. Shall not kill. You say, well, none of us ever killed anybody, so we're okay. Well, there's more, again, there's more to it than that, and we want to think about what it's about. Uh, teaching us, thou shalt not kill, teaching us what you should do is to value life. Life is a very special thing, and it's, and it's a, a gift from God, and we are to value the idea that you're alive and that life exists. And so we talk about where it comes from and we have suggestions about thinking about life. We go back to Genesis and chapter 1, of course, is where uh, life first appeared. In chapter 1 of Genesis, uh, we have here verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he him. So he says, God, first of all, gave life, and from God, he said, we're going to have his image, all right? He's going to create us with his image, and, and you look over to chapter 2 in, in Genesis in verse 27, 
Testament. I got the wrong. 2 verse 7. 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And that's the image of God on us, is that we have life in us of a very special quality. Uh, We became a living soul. That was the image that God put on us. And so that in us is a unique quality of life that God breathed into it. And it's my belief, and I think there's no reason to doubt it, that every human sense God had breathed into them a, a living soul. And so we are not like animals. All right? We have breathed into us something different, a different quality, so that we are made to be a living soul. That is, we have in us a quality of life that uh, thinks and, and, and functions and uh, observes and learns, and that's who we are really. That's who we are. And it's always very clear to me when I do a funeral and I see a body laid out, that's not who they are. And who they are is gone. And we see a body there unoccupied. And that's certainly not who they are. Now, one of the great books in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, you got a guy with a huge brain. And I mean a huge brain who decided to think about life. And he put down his thoughts here in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's thinking about life. And in chapter 3, he's going to describe the difference between human life and animal life. And a lot of times people don't get this. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 21. Who knoweth the spirit of a man that goes upwards and the spirit of the beast that goeth downwards to the earth. And so he said, in humans, there's a part of us that came from God, God breathed it into us, and it returns up to God. He said, animal life is different. Animal life, when an animal dies, he said, the spirit goes down into the earth. Uh, and it's a, it's a different kind of life. And so some people are always saying, well, the animals are just like us. Not at all, of course. You know, we always say, it came from a monkey. Not me. <laughs> and I don't think you either, all right? That, that, that's not possible because God put in us something that separated us from animal life. And that's what he's saying here. The spirit of a beast or the life that's in a beast goes down into the ground and dissipates. The spirit of the human goes up to God. And this is something that I use in funeral services a lot. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And you've heard this phrase become very common among funeral people, people who do those things. <clears throat> Verse 7, Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And so that when death comes, we have a separation of that spirit that God created in us. And it says it goes back to God. And I use that because sometimes I don't know where that person is going. Matter of fact, a lot of times I don't know if that person ever received Christ because I do funerals for people I never even met. And so I don't say, well, they're up in heaven now walking around because I don't know that. 
I don't know that that's true. And I don't say they're down in hell burning either because I don't know that either. What I do know is that the spirit, when it separates, goes to God. And God decides from there. And God is the one who will say, I I never knew you. You can go. You're you're, you're not allowed in. I never knew you. Or God will say, welcome home, one or the other. And so uh, when I do a service like that, I'll say that that they went up to God. I don't say what God's going to do because I didn't know the person. So I think that's important. But here is one of the keenest observations back in Ecclesiastes 3 about life and what God did when he put life in it and made this so unique. Here's what he said about the quality that we have. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. He, that's God, hath made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Or in other words, he has set eternity in the heart. And when you see the world there, in some versions it's uh, written eternity. Uh, and that's what it actually means. So God put eternity in your heart. What does that mean? Well, you have a desire to live forever. We have this desire. Where to come from? God put it in our heart. And so as we live life, we come across, first of all, we got a different quality of life because God made us different that way. He put His image on us. And we have that image in us. And then we have this desire that God put in every one of us to live forever. All right? And nobody says, I can't wait. Well, you say some people do. Some people kill themselves. Yeah, well, that's kind of a tragic uh, misunderstanding of what happened. All right? But God originally put in us this desire to live forever. And so... The quality of life is something, it's, it's one of God's gifts, one of the great gifts that God gave to man, that's for sure. Uh, we are made in the image of God, and because we were made in God's image, God, Jesus, the Word, could come down and take a human form. And it was a natural fit. It's like putting your hand in a glove. And so the quality of life that God gave us, which was made in his image, was a very fortunate thing. For now when Jesus comes to the earth, he can slide right into human nature because we have a quality uh, that's like God. God has put that inside of us. And our... uh, of course, one of the questions about the value of life that comes up all the time is abortion. And that's a, a common discussion now among people. Do you value life or not? And uh, uh, our, our vice president went to an abortion rally the other day. And you know that in the founding of America, 
uh, was called the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed with certain unalienable rights, which are life, number one, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those early uh, fathers that put that together, it was very well thought out, all right? He said, God gave you the right to live. And you, it's inalienable, or that is, it can't be taken away. Right? And we have the right to live. And when she got up, she read, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal and endowed with liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, she's speaking of pro-abortion. She can't say endowed with life because she'd be a liar. Well, maybe she is. It's quite striking that leaving that out when you claim to be the vice president of the United States, you can't quote it right. All right. Well, anyway, all right. That's a quality that people have seen through the years. Obviously, God gave this to us, and he has made it something that he gives us, and that's why we value it. Now, he put a value on life. If we go back to uh, Leviticus, and look at some of these because the topic is pretty hot these days with the discussion of abortion. So it doesn't hurt to hear these. Uh, Leviticus 24 and verse 17. How do you place value on life. Well, God, one of the ways that God did it was what we're going to see right here. Verse 17 of Leviticus 24, and he that killeth any man shall surely be put to death. This is what God said in the Old Testament. He said, if you're going to kill somebody, you took away their most valuable possession and forfeited the right to your own. God said that. Why does he say that? Because he's trying to get you to realize just how valuable life is. He says, how can I teach you how valuable it is? Well, that should make you think. That should make you stop and think. You mean if I take away your life? Yeah, yeah. You lose the right to your own. And that's... What, what God said back there. Now look at, just for this one, this is the most, one of the most interesting ones, Exodus 21, or I'm sorry, yeah, Exodus 21. In case, in case you think that the abortion issue is cloudy. It's not cloudy. Here we go. Exodus 21 verse 22. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished accordingly as a woman's husband will lay upon him. He shall pay as the judges determine and if any mischief follow thou shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, strife for strife. And so he says if you hurt an unborn child uh, the 
father of that child has a right because you stole something that belonged to him. And they can take your life for hurting an unborn child. And so that's uh, the, the Bible on the idea of taking away the life of an unborn child. And so we have the trying to get across the value of life. And what's the number? 60 million babies aborted in America up to this point, somewhere around 60 million. That's a big black scar, my friend, in America. That's a big black scar. And uh, God is not going to let that go. Don't think that God is going to let it go. He saved every baby that was aborted and because they were already living souls. And he took them to heaven and raised them there. And so we know they're in good hands there. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't want to be in some of these people's shoes, I'll tell you. I would not. Uh, because as you say, God gave you life. It's a very valuable thing. Eh, it's not. We can get rid of it whenever we want. Well, not without consequence, that's for sure. So uh, let's go on to a couple thoughts about life. And this extends into the New Testament, Romans uh, chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And here we have the Old Testament commandment described, the ones we've been looking at. Not the Ten Suggestions, <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Verse 9, Romans 13, verse 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And so, he says, here's an important thing. Uh, that we remember. It's our job to love people, to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves, all right? And that that is part of valuing life is that we love people. And we could never kill somebody that we didn't love. I hope we can kill anybody. And, And that's a and I understand that sometimes people are in a difficult time. My father was in World War II, and he was on Okinawa for a while. And he was there during the conflict, of course. And they uh, uh, gave him a night watch. and stay up at night and watch to see if any Japanese were coming around. And they gave him the gun. They said, when they come, you've got to shoot them. Well... He said he was there in the middle of the night, and along came this Japanese fellow wandering down the beach, up and down, like he was lost. And he says, I lifted my gun up, but I couldn't shoot him. So I didn't. I didn't shoot him. I let him go. And he was glad for it, and I'm glad for it, too, uh, because it was one man. And he was, it wasn't an army was one man lost, and he said, I'm not going to shoot him. I don't care what they say. And it says, love your neighbor, even love a stranger, and allow life to continue. 
And that's the right thing to do. And so here in Romans, he says, look, you know, we have these rules and there's a way to overcome and re-examine life as how do we value it. We value it by loving people. That helps us very much to know what the right thing to do. When we think about life, think about David. And David wanted to build a temple. And God said to him, you can't. And he said, I bought all the material. He did. I got it all here. We're ready to build. And God said, no, I'm going to have your son build it because you've been a bloody man. And you had to fight. And David had to fight. He didn't have any choice. He had to go out and fight. Of course, he kills Goliath. And uh, then he goes on and has all kinds of battles that he fights in. But that comes from a deterioration in society. A deterioration in society where life is at less and less and less value. And we consider it not a big deal uh, to kill somebody. And that's a real problem. Now, one of the qualities of life that we really need to pay attention to comes out of John chapter 1. You know, think about life. This is really the a wonderful key as we try to value life and understand why it's valuable, why we don't take people's life, uh, how do we honor life and make it important. In John chapter 1, of course, you're talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. Beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life. When Jesus Christ came, He had a quality of perfect life. Now, ours is a little marred. <laughs> ours is a little messed up, okay? Because we were born in sin, and sin did my mother conceive me, and we were born that way, and it's our tendency. When Jesus came, it was a quality in life that was very different. And it, John says, we watched his life. We watched him live out life. And we learned that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the quality of life as the light of men is that the life that God gives is an enlightening thing. And you can't understand how life is supposed to unfold and how we're supposed to live it and how, how it works out. You can't understand it until you recognize that God has life that he's giving to you. And when he gives you that life, it begins to clear up the questions of life. And where do we come from? Where are we going? Why are we here? Those are the questions of life. And God's puts light, illumination in our mind. And so he says, I'm going to give you a quality of life. If you're made in the image of God, you have a soul. What does that soul do? It has the quality to receive life from God that will make your mind work 
so much better. You suddenly realize, hey, what are we doing here? Now, I think the ultimate goal of this is this. And this is where we want to end up the most. Thou shalt not kill, you're to value life. And so it's a gift from God. He gave us a gift. And you have it in trust. So God said, I'm going to give you life. It's going to be unique, and it's going to have tremendous possibilities. Um, But it's all connected to God, because you're made in my image. And so I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to entrust it to you. And if you'll cooperate with me, you'll begin to grasp, what's life all about? What's life all about? And here's the question, and this is what I face all the time in a funeral. I'll sit down with people, like I said, I sit down with perfect strangers quite often. And I say, tell me about your mom, your dad, or whoever it is that died. Explain to me. And they'll give me a list of things. And when I'm done, I look at the list and I think, nothing. They didn't do anything worthwhile in their whole life. I say, how can you say that? Well, you know, they did their own thing. They never served anybody. They never helped anybody. They just did their own thing. And when it was all over, they died. And what was left behind? Nothing. There's no legacy left behind. There's no uh, way that you can follow anything that's left behind. We're supposed to leave some kind of legend or it's a trust. God says, yeah, I'm going to give you life. And when you're done with it, somebody should say, I want to imitate that. And I'm always happy when I can listen to the story of a life and say, there, do what that person did. Imitate that. Uh, Emulate it. Try to do it and even do it better. Uh, This person is someone to imitate and emulate. But what are you going to do with life? And at the end, when you finish, you don't want to say, I didn't do anything. Man, he gave you this gift. You had a brain, and you had a soul, and you had a drive inside of you that God could put in you. And he said, I'll light up your mind so that it comprehends life like you, nobody else. I'll make you comprehend what life is all about. But when you're done, what are we going to write on your tombstone? You know? I mean, I hope we're going to write something of value. I hope we can write something of value. Remember finding my great, 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 great grandfather's tombstone. Carved on a tombstone. Uh, Come think on death. Uh, Shun hell below. Uh, Look more for life. To Jesus fly. Something 
in that long that line. I remember reading that on his grave, and I said, man, I don't know what you sounded like. I don't know where you lived. I don't know nothing. But you said a pretty good thing in the end. You know, you got a, your point across. Uh, it's worth living for God. And so, uh, how are you, what are you going to say? And God says, I gave you this gift. You were alive, had a chance to be enlightened, and get the life into your mind and understand and comprehend because his life was the light of men and you were made in this very special way and I made it so that your spirit doesn't go into the ground when you die it comes back up to me I gave it to you in the first point it's coming back to me it's a very very valuable thing and this is your most valuable possession what did you do with it? what did you do with it? It's a thoughtful question, is it not? What have you done with your life? And that's something that I think about often. And I keep thinking, I don't know, I got to get going. <laughs> and the clock is ticking, right? It's my birthday. Clock is ticking. What are you going to do with your life you know, when you're done with it? Are they going to say, did something worthwhile or not? And so it's a very thoughtful commandment. Uh, what? Thou shalt not kill. Of course you wouldn't kill because life is extremely valuable. It's your greatest possession. And so he's talking about family. He's moved from the worship of God, a focus, and a regular worship of God. And he talked about life in a family, how we honor our parents. And he talked about life in general. This is what it's about. You being alive, you're in a family. What's your role there? How do you play a role there? You're in a royal family. And then God put together this thing called the church. What's your role there? What role do you play there? You've got life. You have an opportunity to spend it for him and use it for him. And by golly, figure out a way to do it. Get it figured out. Because it's... Extremely valuable commodity that God has given. And we don't have the right to take it, and we don't have the right to waste it. We don't have the right to waste it. All right, next week, another one. Thank you. Thank you.